Thank you for listening to Simple Church, where we love God, love others, and serve our world. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Tom Allen. Well, good morning, folks. So nice to be with you. My name is Tom, and uh, we welcome all of you who are guests and all of us who regularly attend. We're just so thankful for this chance to be here today. Be out of the rain, evidently. I don't know. At least it was doing that when we started. And uh, we're just glad to see you here today. We're concluding a series of uh, six lessons on underdogs. And the reason I think this has been a meaningful series for all of us is we all feel like underdogs at times. And um, God wants us to become top dogs. That's the reason he's given us the word. That's the reason he gave us Christ. That's the reason he has given us the Holy Spirit to lead us to be all that he created us to be. So let me give you a definition of an underdog. An underdog is a competitor who is thought to have little chance of winning a fight or a contest. And we've all felt like that at times in our lives. Just, I'm not capable to do this. There's no way I could be involved in that. They wouldn't want me to do that. We feel like underdogs. God says, I don't want you to have that attitude because I've created you in my image with unbelievable possibility. So we're going to study a man today, as we close off this series, who really believed God. And God made him a top dog. It all starts with Israel being in a war. The Amalekites and the Philistines were godless and ruthless warriors. And they hated Israel. And they hated Israel's God. The Bible says that they came at Israel with 3,000 chariots and 6,000 charioteers. And then it says, and the sands... And and the the warriors were like the sands of the sea. In other words, there were so many you cannot believe it. So what we see is, first of all, a situation of Israel being at war. But the second thing we're going to see today is two people, two men. One is named Saul. He was the first king of Israel. And his son was named Jonathan. And what's interesting is both of these men are involved in our story today, but they are totally different in the way that they looked at life and responded to life. And we have to ask the question, why? Why was King Saul, the first king anointed by God of Israel, such a coward? And why was his son Jonathan, second in line to the king, such a courageous man? And I'm going to suggest to you today, it's because they looked at life totally differently. And most all of us are going to fall into one of these two categories or some variation of it. King Saul lived his life with what I would like to call a scarcity mindset. Let me tell you what a scarcity mindset is. It's a belief that there will never be enough. It's the fear of running out. And King Saul lived his life scared. He lived his life in fear. And any time you live in fear, you can never accomplish what God wants you to do because fear is always going to hold you back. His son, Jonathan, was a courageous man, and he lived with an abundance mindset. Here's what that says. It's the belief that there will always be enough 
My God is okay. My God is enough. And therefore, since he is my God and I am his child, I am okay. And that is enough. And when you and I have an abundance mindset, it gives us confidence. It gives us courage. It gives us the faith to be able to launch out into things that we would normally stand back as underdogs and say, there's no way I could do that. That's impossible. for They wouldn't want me to be involved in that. But Jonathan knew the truth of what hadn't even been written in his day. It wasn't written until the New Testament, but it was the truth that he claimed. It's the truth we've used as our theme verse for this series, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. And God wants us to live our lives with that kind of confidence in him. That's abundant living. Otherwise, it's going to be scarcity living. So we begin our story with the armies of the Amalekites ready to attack Israel. And we find this in 1 Samuel 15.3. What happened is Samuel was a prophet. Old Testament prophets were people that came, and because they didn't have the Bible like we do today, they were people who were gifted by God to give the word of God to the leaders especially, but to the people of Israel. Israel had many different prophets. Samuel was one of them. And God told Samuel to go to King Saul because God was fed up with the Amalekites. They'd been blaspheming his name. They were so idolatrous and so rebellious that God said to Saul, through Samuel, he said, now go and completely destroy. Now notice those words, completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. This sounds so cruel to us today, but it's the way that God in the Old Testament dealt with people who were just confirmed in rebellion. He did it to Israel many times, putting them in bondage when they rebelled against him. But the Amalekites were so ruthless, they were so godless, that he said, I want you to go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Now, that was a pretty clear command from God through his prophet. Destroy everything. But remember, Saul had a scarcity mindset. He never felt like he had enough. Even though he had the kingdom of Israel, he never had enough. And so here's what happened in verse 7. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. And he captured Agag, the Amalek king. You know, you would not love your child if you gave them the name Agag. You just would not like that kid, okay? But anyway, uh, so he captured Agag, the Amalite king, but he completely destroyed everyone else. Oh, what did God say? What did God say? Completely destroy. It says he captured, he, he completely destroyed everyone else, but he kept Agag, the Amalite king, and watch. Saul and his men spared Agag's life, and they kept the best of the sheep and the goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, and everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They were unwilling to obey God and completely destroy the nation. So they destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Now, 
Because Saul had a scarcity mindset, because of, in Saul's world, there was never enough. He lived his life in the fear of running out. I can't risk losing. I have to hold on. I can't risk losing. That's a scarcity mindset. And I will tell you what that does. Anytime you and I have that, then when God asks us to do something, that's going to shade our ability to obey. Because we're going to think, oh God, if I did that, then I'd lose this, or I'd miss this, or I would not have this. That was exactly the way Saul lived his life. And it's so sad to see him because from that point on, he was never the king that he could have been because he had this scarcity mindset. But that causes us to need to ask a question of ourselves, and that is this. What is it that you and I just can't risk letting go of? In other words, I know God wants me to do this, but if I obey God, and if I do that, then I have to let go of whatever it is, and I'll miss out on whatever you think you're going to miss out on. Now look, if God asks us to do something, he always says, if I ask you to do something, I will go with you, and whatever you need, you will have it. Your needs will be met according to my riches and glory through Christ Jesus, the Bible tells us. That's an abundant mindset. Man, if God wants me to do something, if he asks me to obey in some area, then I need to follow him and obey. But when you have a scarcity mindset, you always think, oh my goodness, God, if I did that, then I'd lose this. I'd miss out on this. So there's an interesting story of how they catch uh, monkeys in India. What they do is they, they take a coconut and they drill a, a, about a quarter-inch hole in it. And then they drop out all the juice and they put rice inside of it. And the monkeys will go and they'll reach in through that hole to get that rice. And then the people can go and take the monkey. You know why? Because the monkey won't let go of the rice. It holds on to that rice and they can go and catch the thing because he can't run away. And we'd stand back and we'd say, well, that stupid monkey... What's wrong with that stupid monkey? Just let go of that rice, take your hand out, and run free. That's what we would say. And yet how often are we like that? You know? We want to hold on to stuff, and we stay in bondage to whatever we're holding on to, rather than letting go and let God lead our lives, because we've got this scarcity mindset. Man, if I lose that rice, if I lose that whatever, then I won't have enough. I won't be enough. I'll miss out. Let me show you a key statement. We are imprisoned to anything we won't let go when God asks us to obey him. We are imprisoned to anything we won't let go of when God asks us to obey him. You think about it in your own life. How often do we hold on to this, this need to be accepted? You know, to be approved in other people's eyes. 
Because we all want to be respected. We all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. And so we will do all kinds of things, living according to their expectations, performing to please them, living a life that may not even be what God wants, to, to keep the approval of someone. Think of how many girls have gotten pregnant because they were trying to hold on to a guy that they wanted his approval, his love. And what they should have done if they'd had any sense is to told that, tell that jerk to get out quickly. You just think about it. How often we do things to get people's approval when we don't need that if we've got God's approval because that's enough. You think about how often we try to stay in control of things. I mean, you know, i got to keep my hands on this. It's got to work out the way I want it to work out. So I'm going to manipulate, and I'm going to intimidate, and I'm going to manufacture this thing just the way I want it to be, which may or may not be what God wants at all. But if we live in a scarcity mindset, we got to keep everything under control. Got to keep my hands on it. Otherwise, it might slip away. And you think how that's true in the areas of money and of position and of power. And even sometimes for some of us, some people, our parents, some people, I mean, God wants us to take good care of ourselves and he wants us to do the best we can with what we got to work with, you know. But the thing is that so many people, they just work so hard to hold on to a certain kind of an appearance. Some of them even get so many, so many surgeries that they can hardly talk, you know, they're so tight, so tight. But boy, do I look good. Can't talk. But man, gee, the things we do when we're living in scarcity, you know, God wants us to live in abundance. That's his desire for us. So the solution to living out of scarcity is to start living out of abundance. I want to talk with you about that a little bit as we close off today. The moment we invite Jesus Christ into our lives as the forgiver of our sin and the leader of our lives, at that moment, the understandings of our lives start changing. Uh, let me give you some examples. Less becomes more. Man, if I'm okay in Christ... If I'm accepted in the beloved, if I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, if there is absolutely nothing too hard for my God, and he is my father, and I am his child, and you start believing those kinds of truth statements that fill us with faith, then all of a sudden, I don't have to give my life to get all the stuff this world offers so that I can be accepted that's scarcity thinking. I'm okay in Christ. That doesn't mean I can't have things. It doesn't mean I don't seek to improve. But it means I don't have to have any of that when I'm okay in Christ. Because there's our strength. Then everything else. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then everything will be added to you as it ought to be. It'll come when it should. The Bible says servants will become the leaders the Bible says the weak, the meek, the humble, will become the strong. 
Let me show you what living out of abundance means. It means, number one, I know God is my ultimate supply and my unlimited supply. I know who my father is, and I know I'm his child. Secondly, I know who I am in Christ. I am in Christ, and Christ is in me, and therefore all that God promises is available to me. See, that's abundance thinking. That's abundance living. That's faith-filled obedience living. That's the way God wants us to live our lives. Instead of in fear and timidity and, and, and just weakness, he wants to make us strong. Also, abundant living is I know what he can do through me when I obey him. Now, that's exactly where Jonathan was. See, he knew God intimately, and he knew who he was in relationship to God, and he knew why God had created him. And therefore, he could live abundantly even though his father lived in scarcity. And so now they're facing a second battle, this time with the Philistines. And in this battle, uh, Saul, for some reason or other, he, he kind of had some problems, I think. Uh, and, and he was scared to death of the Philistines. Now, God had given them all kinds of victories, but he was scared to death. He was hiding under a pomegranate tree. And Jonathan went and talked with him, and he got so upset with his father, because, Dad, you're living in such scarcity that Jonathan came out and he made this statement, 1 Samuel 14, 6. He said, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. You see that abundance thinking? I'm willing to do this even though I know it's a big threat but I believe that nothing can hinder what God wants done so he can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. And what Jonathan was saying is this. Someone has to fight. My dad is a wuss. I, that's in one of the versions I read that somewhere. <laughs> My dad is scared to death over here. He's living in scarcity. I've got an abundance in my relationship with God. So what he's saying is someone has to fight. Maybe we'll win. Maybe we'll lose. I'm not sure. But we can't sit here and do nothing because I believe my God can win this. That's abundance. That's how God wants us to think about all of life. You know, we've looked at giants and we've looked at lions and we've looked at all kinds of things that can come and slap us in the face and we don't even know when they're coming. And if we're living in scarcity, we're going to tuck our tail and run off in the corner and lick our, our emotional wounds. Whereas God says, I want you to stand strong and I want you to be filled with courage and faith and not be afraid. Not be afraid. And so Jonathan said, I'm willing to take this. Now, I want to close with just two final little things. When we begin living our lives out of abundance in Christ, the first thing we're going to do is pick some risky fights. We're going to pick some risky fights, okay? Now, here's why we can pick those fights. It's because we know God is our source. And if God is our source, and you know he's leading you to do something, then what do you have to lose? 
You remember our little formula last week? You plus God equals enough. You plus God equals enough. And so he had that kind of confidence. And so we read, here's what he did in 1 Samuel 14, 11 through 15. When the Philistines saw the Israelites coming, they shouted. And it's kind of interesting because they were just mockers of God, the God Jehovah of the Israelites. And they started shouting, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. And then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. And Jonathan said, come on, climb right behind me, armor bearer, for, now watch this, for the Lord will help us defeat them. One thing you learn about every underdog we've studied, they became top dogs, but they realized, I can't do this by myself. Every one of them said, it will be the Lord who does this, but he can do it, and therefore will do what he has said. That's abundance living. That's confident living. Boy, does that give us strength. So he said, the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan. And his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about a half an acre. Now, for some reason or other, because 20 doesn't seem like a lot, but they killed those who were before them and after them, for some reason or other, suddenly panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and the raiding parties. What was interesting was, you see, they didn't have to fight the battle. If we'll just obey God and do what he asks us to do, then he goes before us and behind us and he fights the battle. And what he did was he brought confusion upon the Philistines. He brought confusion on them, and they started panicking. And they had a lot more soldiers than Jonathan did at that point. But panic. Because, see, they somehow got into that scarcity thinking instead of abundant thinking, and they just turned into panic. I shouldn't tell you this, but for about the last 10 years, I've been praying for our nation. And I pray for our nation regularly, and I pray for our leaders. But I've been praying because we just seem to be so out of whack somewhere in our nation right now. I've been praying, God, confuse anything that's evil in our nation. And God, bless and extol anything that's righteous in our nation. And I've been praying that. And I've been watching the last 10 years. Our leaders have become so cotton pick and confused. It's pathetic. So I'm going to stop praying, okay? And it's certainly not because of my prayers alone, I know. But I'm just telling you, uh, I'm telling you, our nation is confused. And we should have everything going for us. We should just be sitting so beautifully. <laughs> but I think in many ways we're not obeying the Lord at times. And when you don't, it brings confusion. And God not only, it's interesting in the story, because God not only confused the Philistines to where they turned on each other, which sounds like our government today, but they not only turned on each other, but then what happened was, then, and just then an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. So along with the confusion, God threw in an earthquake. Yeah? And Jonathan, 
And his soldiers were victorious. And so what I would say is that some of us today need to pick some risky fights. Jonathan picked a risky fight. He said, perhaps the Lord will do this. Whether I live or die, I'm going to do it because I know that's what God wants. Okay? So we've got to pick some risky fights. Maybe you need to pick a risky fight with debt. Because it may be that you've been just struggling with debt and under that over and over again. This fall, we're going to do everything we can to help you know how to get out of that with, uh, with some teaching that will be available to you if you want it. But we got to fight that because God doesn't want us in debt. It burdens us down. It, 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 it just takes our mind away from abundance and it puts it into scarcity. I'm losing. I can't do this. Oh, my goodness. Some of you need to fight a real fight because your marriage is badly hurt or falling apart. You need to fight a risky fight to say, God, I know what you want. And I'm not going to let this world or anyone or anything else turn me away from what you want. Because I know you want to rebuild our marriage and our relationship. And I'm going to believe you for that. I'm going to give my life to that. And I'm going to trust you for that. And I'm going to live as if that is true. See, you can't change and fix anybody, but God can. He's our source. You plus God equals enough. Some of you may be feeling like an underdog to your rebellious child. I want you to know God loves that kid more than you do. And he can work in that child if you pray and believe and set the right example of Christ before that child and don't quit and don't give up and you keep praying and you keep believing. I've watched God use untold amounts of people to bring change into family members because people prayed and lived the life of abundance in Christ. When we start living our lives out of abundance, really knowing and trusting God and knowing who he is and what we have in him, then we're going to pick risky fights and we're going to win them. But then the second thing is this, and this to me is the key of this whole lesson. When we live in abundance, we will live recklessly selfless lives. Lives that are not lived for ourselves. You see, when you're in scarcity, all you can think about is me. I got to take care of me. I got to protect me. I got to provide for me. And God says, no, 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 I'll take care of you. You live in abundance. The most profound thing in this story is not what we read here, but what we don't read. Because what we don't read is any single instance where Jonathan ever did or said anything that benefited Jonathan. If you study the story, go to, go to Samuel and read it, you will see he never once thought about himself. Now you've got to understand who Jonathan was. He was the child of the king. He was second in line to the throne he should be the next king. But God had already ordained David to be the second king of Israel. And Jonathan knew that and believed that. And so what was interesting is Jonathan didn't say a word 
about who he was or what his position was. He didn't say, hey, God, this is my spot. This is my position. David can't have it. I'm the one in line for the kingdom. No. Instead, he said, David, I'm giving my life to serve you. I'm giving my life to serve you. And that's what Jonathan did throughout even part of the reign. So when we know we belong to Christ, we don't have to seek for ourselves. We already have everything in Christ. I'm okay. So now I can give my life away to you. I can live in confidence and in in courage and in faith and not be timid or cowardly. I can take risky fights. I can live for others instead of for myself because I'm okay. Man, when you're okay, you're okay. And that enables us to live fearlessly and selflessly. Now, Jesus summarized all this lesson over in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 37. With this, we close. Here's what he said. And if, if any of you wants to be followers, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross. That, that cross is whatever God asks us to do in our lives, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. You'll get caught. You'll be in bondage in the coconut because you won't let go. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. In other words, anyone who lives just trusting God and taking those risky fights and living for others and for God instead of ourselves because we're okay and we're confident and we have abundance in Christ, then you watch what God can do with you and with any people who have that kind of confidence in him. So he says, and what do you benefit? This is such a key verse for our culture. If you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul. In other words, so you get everything this world can offer. I've been looking at hot tubs again. <laughs> and then I, then I have to preach this stupid sermon, you know. Because <laughs> I want a hot tub. <laughs> My wife won't let me have it. <laughs> She's got a broken hip right now, so I could probably do a little more than normal. But anyway, uh, you know, think of the importance of this. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? So you get everything this world can offer, okay? But you miss out on why you're here. See? If you and I miss out on why we're here, even if we know Christ is our Savior, I think the only place there's ever any tears in heaven is when I think when we see one time and then it's erased. But it seems like there's some kind of a judgment thing where we're rewarded for all that God did through our lives for his glory. But it seems like there's one place where there might be some tears and if there is, if there is that place, it, it will be because we see what we missed out on because we didn't trust the Lord. I mean, just think what he could do with your life if you believed in his abundance. Not mine. I'm kind of pathetic and weak. 
but he's unbelievably powerful and strong. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is anything worth more than your soul? Nothing. Your life. So, whatever God says to you through this, I know what he's saying to me. Whatever he says to you, listen. Because you see, if you don't know Christ as your Savior today, you're missing out on that relationship with God, the Father in heaven. But if you do know him, then, then, oh my goodness, don't miss out on anything he has for you. Don't be afraid. Because he wants to take underdogs like David. Make them top dogs. And he also wants to take a top dog like Jonathan because he was second in line to the king and make him an even bigger top dog because of his obedience to God. God loves you. He has a great plan and purpose for your life. Let's not miss it. Father, help us today to not only hear your word, but to be people who uh, let that word uh, work in our hearts and lives this week and, and cause us to be people who uh, want to obey you. And when those opportunities come where this world or this culture or our flesh will just try to lead us in a way that's full of fear and scarcity and disobedience, oh God, help us to be willing to trust you, believe you, Claim the abundance we have through your spirit living in us and through your word given to us and through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our salvation. Help us to claim all of that and to stand strong in you. Thank you for every person in this room. Bless our lives. Bless our table talk time now. Use it for your glory. And uh, just strengthen us through it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you're new or want to know more about our Simple Church family, you can visit us online at simple.church or by downloading our simple.church app.